The following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah! This, this is Mick Shots. Streaming live on DallasCowboys.com and the official Dallas Cowboys app. Now, here are Bill Jones, Everson Walls, and Mickey Spagnola. And we are, what, just over two days away from the start of the National Football League draft on Thursday evening as we have a little later edition of Mixed Shots on this Tuesday because it's a post-press conference version of Mixed Shots as we found out a lot over the course of the last hour or so. I'm Bill Jones with Everson Walls and Mickey Spagnola and... Uh, it is a great week because uh, we are two days away from finding out who the next Dallas Cowboys are going to be. And uh, the Cowboys the last 24 hours have been saying goodbye to one of the best that have put on the uh, Cowboys star in Sean Lee. So, so much to get to over the course of the next hour. Let's start with you, Everson. How are you doing? As You are primed and ready to go right now. I have on my... McCarthy jacket here, ready to do some coaching. <laughs> I have a little reporting to do, uh, you know, via your uh, uh, instructions, Mr. Jones. That's right. So I'm, ready, I'm ready to go with what I believe will be the next Dallas Cowboy in two days. Oh. All right. I can't wait to hear it because if you recall a week ago, I gave a homework assignment to Everson about – uh, you know, he's got that coaching gear on now because there's going to be a cornerback that the Cowboys are going to take in the first round. Maybe. <laughs> we shall see. Don't think it'll be a tight end. We shall see. Mickey, inside the SWBC Mortgage Studios there at the Star in Frisco, you were on site as Jerry Jones, Stephen Jones, Mike McCarthy, and Sean Lee address the media. Yeah, I think when it... Uh... It finally concluded. I wrote down 106, not a minute and six seconds. It was an hour and six minutes <laughs> that we were uh, in there. But I thought it was uh, pretty informative. Now, there was a lot of, uh, I don't know that there was any, a lot of talk to try to mislead anybody. But I think we got some pretty good insight into what the Cowboys are thinking about, uh, how the preparation has gone. And uh, just what uh, not only everybody thought of Sean Lee, but what Sean Lee thought of playing for the Dallas Cowboys. And I thought it was so Sean Lee. Uh, he was pretty funny, you guys, before the press conference when I was walking down the hallway where our offices are. He was coming through, uh, and he had, you know, had his coat on, and uh, you know, hair was somewhat combed with uh, loafers and no socks. And uh, he was walking through, and I said, well, you ready? you ready to go sit on the beach? And he goes, look, you don't realize that uh, before I got here, my hair was down to my shoulders. I could be a beach bum very easily. So uh, he was in a pretty good mood, and he was thanking everybody, and only Sean Lee, right? Because uh, before the press conference start, he went out on the, f on the field where the guys were working out, 
and the guys he was thanking were the weight and conditioning coaches, uh, the the ball boys, uh, you know, anybody that was out there working with the players, helping them out. He was thanking them for what uh, they did for him, and also with all the guys in the public relations department that they put up with him and his wisecracks for 11 years and uh, just helping him become Sean Lee. So, yeah, it, the whole thing has been so Sean Lee, including the letter uh, that he uh, basically had the PR department post yesterday thanking everybody and what it meant to play for the Cowboys. So, uh, boy, if you can find another Sean Lee in the draft, uh, a guy of his character and what he's meant to this organization, you would hit a home run at the 10th pick this year. No doubt. Uh, I think uh, you, you'd be hard-pressed to find a more respected uh, member of not only the team but the organization uh, than Sean Lee, and a lot of it has to do with his work ethic uh, that he put in uh, uh, long before he uh, he walked through the doors at Valley Ranch and then at the Star in Frisco, and then he just took it to another level, I think, and it showed in his play. Uh, you know, last night I posted, I retweeted a, a video that NFL put out uh, of Sean Lee on the day he retired. It's a three-minute video, a highlight reel of Sean Lee plays in his career. And especially on those plays where he, you can tell, he's, just, he's reading and reacting. He knows the, there were so many times, Mickey, I think, uh, especially we talked about it uh, over the course of the last 10 years, especially when he played the Eagles and the Giants. Uh, and maybe the Washington football team, too. But I really noticed it against those two teams. He had plays sniffed out as basically before the ball was snapped. He knew what was coming. And I think a lot of it had to do with he was so familiar with those opponents because he played them twice a year and, and probably studied them a lot in the offseason as well. And it really – you know, I went back in, in my big green notebook from 2010 where I first discovered Sean Lee and became a president of the Sean Lee fan club. You know, he actually <laughs> he actually ran at his pro day, he ran a 4-5-8-40, but his 10-yard split was 154, which is really getting it. And it shows on the field, but it, it was in like a 148 uh, on the field because of the, how quickly he was able to diagnose plays. You know, Bill, the, the talking about his uh, preparation, and I, I've got to go back and look what year it was, but it was a game against the Eagles. And it might have been 2016 when he finally played all 16 games. I don't remember, but it was early in the season. The Cowboys defense played well against the Eagles, so I need to look the game up. But after the game, the Eagle offensive guys were complaining that the Cowboys were stealing their signals. And my response to it at the time was, no, Sean Lee was studying all night long. He didn't steal anything. He knew exactly what you were going to do before you did it just by watching your formations and knowing the plays that were getting ready to come. That's how good his preparation was and why he was so good. Yeah, he had physical skills, but they weren't the greatest physical skills in the world. But his preparation for the game may have been the greatest the Cowboys have had other than maybe quarterbacks getting ready 
to play knowing that they got to know everything about the offense. But, yeah, his preparation had the Eagles talking themselves. They're stealing our plays. They knew what we were going to do. No, Sean Lee <laughs> studied all night long. I remember that game. In fact, uh, it was back when LaShawn McCoy was playing for the Eagles, and LaShawn McCoy did nothing in that game. because Sean Lee had every LaShawn McCoy play, uh, whether it was him running the ball out of the backfield or a, uh, a pass out into the flat, whatever, he had it sniffed out. Uh, I, I remember that uh, specifically. By the way, uh, Jerry also in the press conference referenced a video that the uh, that he and I, I assume the Cowboys scouting department back in 2010 when uh, Sean Lee was drafted, a vi- he, he uh, Jerry described it as an ESPN video that included interviews with his family and his brother talking about Sean. Uh, I remember that video and it actually was not an ESPN video. I found it on YouTube and I I tweeted it out. Go to CBS 11 Bill Jones and you can watch it. It was a seven and a half minute video that was produced by the Penn. State State Athletic Department, and it showed Sean Lee, it had his, his teammates at Penn State talking about him and what a leader he was and, and all of these uh, adjectives that they used to describe him, had his family as well. It's worth watching, and, and I think it's worth watching, I, I sent it along to Scott Agolnik and, and so he could pass it on to Jerry uh, to look at it again. I think it is, it is something that uh, a scouting department needs to watch again to understand what it is we are looking for in players in this draft because it just it just flies off the screen at you this is exactly what you're looking for and as Mike McCarthy and others said in the press conference yeah you think it uh, during the draft you think you're getting that player and not very often does that player turn out to be exactly what you saw on video where where there's a game tape or any interviews and stuff well with Sean Lee they got that and then some yeah, absolutely, and uh, it was, it was uh, you know, and it was only Sean Lee to show up like this, and and uh, you know to do stay there and handle almost every question that came his way, and obviously everybody wanted to know if coaching was going to be in his his future, and uh, I, I I thought he, he made a, a wise decision, and Everson, I want you to talk about when you decided that was it, or somebody decided that was it for you, however it went. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that that he wanted to take some time and let it breathe and and you know kind of you know smell the roses and sit on the beach. Remember, he's got a place in in Santa Barbara and uh, that's a pretty sweet spot there in California. Uh, and then he said he would consider. And as the Cowboys said, Mike said, Jerry said, you know, there's a spot in this organization for him if he indeed decides that that's what he wants to do. So. Uh, yeah, I, I think that, you know, it's a tough decision to make, Everson, uh, but maybe once you make it, you're somewhat relieved if you feel good about yourself and the decision. Yeah, and that's the thing, uh, Spags. If you feel good about yourself, uh, you know, Sean Lee was blessed uh, to have the career that he had, uh, but it's not just the career that he had. It's that someone took a notice of him early on and realized what he brought to the table. Uh, you know, it'd be nice if everybody could just, like you said, make that own decision for yourself. Uh, Sean didn't want to make that decision either. His body made that decision for him. That was the main thing about that. If he could have, and, and I would accept that as well, 
If he could have played longer, I would have I would have liked for him to play longer, of course, minus the, the injuries, because you just don't want anyone to have to go through the kind of things that he went through physically. The one thing I liked about Sean Lee, and we've touched on it uh, throughout the, uh, this program, is his intellect and his desire uh, to be smarter. You can come in with any type of uh, brain waves you want to come in with, but if you, if you try to get better with what you have, with what God gave you, and you do the best with that, to me, you can't ask for anything more than that. There's a term uh, that I heard the other day, iron sharpens iron, and I truly believe that. It happened with me uh, when I went to Grambling State University. Uh, the players there, the coach, Eddie Robinson, challenged me so much. It made me the person who I am today, not just on, uh, but off the field. And that's one thing that I wish more players would have recognized about Sean Lee's preparation. Because this is something that we all knew under Tom Landry. We had to study. Okay, this is something I knew when I went to... To, uh, to the Giants, I had to study. Of course, being with, part, with uh, Belichick, you had to study. That, that shouldn't have been uh, 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 something that was different for anyone. I am disappointed in other linebackers that witnessed what Sean Lee's ability was to try and get better. I thought that he should have had the entire linebacker uh, uh, staff in there with him as they watched film. Because that would have made them as a, as a team better. That, to me, would have been iron sharpening iron. We did not see that. I didn't think Sean Lee should have been an exception in the Cowboys locker room. I thought he should have been the norm. And it's to his credit that he was the exception. But to me, uh, I am disappointed in the, in the Cowboys uh, uh, linebacker rank to where you see Sean Lee is anticipating every play. You're witnessing that week after week, pregame and postgame. You see this. And yet you decide, for some reason or another, not to get in and study with this young man. You know, he was uh, really a tribute to the organization. A lot of people were, but this is his time. He's a tribute to the organization. And I'm still pretty upset that as our linebacker core was, was really weakening, uh, as he was out there getting hurt trying to make all the plays from the linebacker position, he should have been in that film room with other people. And then they could have been talked about the way we're talking about Sean Lee right now. Hey, uh, how about that? Everson quoting scripture here on Mix Shots. Iron sharpens iron. That's Proverbs 27, 17. As Tom iron Bill. sharpens iron. So, I didn't want to so get religious. So one friend out there, you know, sharpens another friend. I love it, Everson. Uh, but you're right. You're exactly right. And in fact, it's funny that you mentioned that. And I'm not, I'm not going to mention this former player's name, but he was a linebacker. Okay. And I remember this was when this was uh, going back in the well, it would have been probably seven, eight years ago or whatever. Twitter was just getting started. And I remember this player. It was during the middle of the season. And he's tweeting about the video game that he's playing. I mean, it's like a game week. And this linebacker is tweeting about the video game that he's playing and saying, oh, I just, whatever, whatever game he was playing, whatever. And I was thinking, 
There is no way in the world that Sean Lee is playing video games during the season. He's probably not playing video games in the offseason either. But I was like, what a difference. And, and really, you could see the difference on Sunday where one player doesn't know what just happened and the other player is making the tackle in the back. Thank you, Bill. Thank you, Bill. And this is what I, this is what I always bring up. When I say uh, back when we were with Tom Landry, you had to study. Now, there's a different system. You're talking the flex versus whatever the hell they're running with the Cowboys right now and even back then. I still can't recognize it. But the flex defense, you had to have a middle linebacker that was in tuned to everything that was going on. So I, I know from playing with guys like Bob Brunick, a uh, student of the game, Eugene Lockhart, and I always bring him up. Uh, they talked about the number of tackles that Sean Lee ended up with. I think one year he ended up with 175 tackles or whatever. And Spags and I have talked about this. There's one thing to make 170-something tackles on the, on the defense that's decent. But when you're making 200-plus tackles, as Eugene Lockhart did, on a team that is garbage, okay? And I was on that team, you understand? So when you have to make all of those tackles, that's something that was the norm for the Cowboys. Your linebackers had to be students of the game. I don't know what Lockhart's GPA was at Houston. I do know that when he was with the Cowboys, I'd give him honor roll because he made over 200 tackles, if I'm not mistaken, two years while he was here with a defensive line that no one would line up behind. So this is something that fell off in regards to the, the uh, de dedication that was uh, uh, put towards being a good football player. That's the way it used to be with the Cowboys. Sean Lee, to me, was basically a throwback to what the Cowboys uh, used to be in regards to preparation for a ball game. Mean Gene the hitting machine, or Mean Gene the tackling machine. He did have over <laughs> 200 tackles in, in one season. 89, All right? right? Um, let's see. The Yes, he had, to. he had to. Right. No he one had else, no one, no one else was making tackles. <laughs> 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 All right, uh, the homework assignment for Everson was to take a look at these top cornerbacks because I want to get a scouting report on him, and hopefully we'll have a pick from Everson as we go along. He had 57 picks in his career. He can make one more pick here on mix shots. Um, and so maybe we should take a break, and we can uh, – what do you think, Mickey? And then we'll come back, and uh, we'll dive into the draft and uh, see what Everson thinks of Patrick Sertan II and J.C. Horn, two sons of former Pro Bowl players in the National Football <laughs> League. Mix Shots continues in a moment. Honey, big news. Gary, are you okay? Oh, I'm not Gary anymore. I'm Jackie Flash. What? See, I want the latest smartphone, but the best deals are only for new customers. So to get a new customer deal, I changed my name to Jackie Flash. Okay, but the best smartphone deals at AT&T are for everyone, new and existing customers. That's huge. Then guess who's getting a deal? Is it Jackie Flash? Jackie Flash. It's not complicated. At AT&T, our best smartphone deals are for everyone. Restrictions apply. Visit att.com for details. The Cowboys way, where 16 Hall of Famers and five championships shows us what success looks like. Where turkey is always the second best part of Thanksgiving Day. Where we are all defined by one single thing, the star. Where we as fans know it's our job to keep the tradition going. Bank of America is proud to be the official bank of the Dallas Cowboys and to support the quest of living life the Cowboys way. 
Copyright 2020, Bank of America Corporation. Grab some OtterBox gear and get ready for hanging with the boys. From rugged venture coolers to tough-as-nails elevation tumblers, we've got what you need to keep your game day drinks frosty and your football feast ice cold. And with cases, screen protectors, and power accessories, you can defend your phone and stay connected to every play. Gear up at OtterBox.com and amp up the fun of every Cowboys game. That's OtterBox.com. Just like all of you, we at Seeky can't wait until we're back in the stands at full strength cheering on the Cowboys and singing along to our favorite songs again. We're using this time to make discovering, buying, and selling tickets to events in Dallas easier. Plus, every ticket purchased on SeatGeek is protected by our buyer guarantee, which means you'll get your money back or better if your event is canceled. Guaranteed. Download the SeatGeek app today, and when the time is right, let's go. SeatGeek. Back, back to Mick Shots. Cowboys fans enter the free-to-play draft pick challenge presented by DraftKings for a chance to win two 2021 season tickets. Submit your picks before the draft starts on Thursday. Must be 21 years of age or older to play. To get the official rules and enter now, go to DallasCowboys.com slash draft pick challenge. Bill Jones with Everson Walls, Mickey Spagnola. As uh, mix shots continues, we just had the press conference as the uh, announcement of the Sean Lee retirement has become official as he talked with the media. And well, the media had an opportunity to talk with Jerry, Stephen, and Mike McCarthy about the draft. And uh, Mickey was there. And Mickey, uh, one thing that's happening around the league right now, the deadline isn't until after the draft, but picking up the uh, fifth-year option on those first-round picks from four years ago, uh, or I guess three years ago, 2018 draft, uh, which would be the Leighton Vander Esch draft. That deadline is coming up next week. Do you got any more of a feel on what the Cowboys plan to do with Leighton's fifth-year option? Yeah, it sounds like uh, I, I thought they would. it would be kind of an automatic thing, but it, it sounded like they were going to be looking at everything. Uh, and it, it, it almost brought up the idea in my head that maybe what they would rather do, because uh, uh, Stephen has mentioned this twice, that they didn't pick up the fifth-year option on Morris Claiborne, and then after his fourth season they re-signed him to a one-year deal. But that was a little different because he was coming off a, an injured season, I believe, and no one was really going to give him a big deal in free agency, so they re-signed him to uh, a one-year deal. But when Steven was talking about it, he said, you know, you got to look at the full body of work. Uh, sure, you take a look at the injuries, but you're also looking at your salary cap because his fifth-year option would be $9.13 million, I believe, is what it comes to, uh, and, and not this year, but for 2022. Uh, so... Uh, he said whether we do it or not doesn't mean uh, that uh, we don't want him back. So there might be a possibility they uh, try to sign him to an extension uh, and give him a little bit of a, a signing bonus uh, and guarantee him the $9 million over maybe two years or so. Uh, but uh, I don't know that it's an automatic that they're picking it up at this point just because of a salary cap deal. So we'll see where that goes. But you know, when you look at the linebacker room, boy, 
They need him, and they need him healthy, and they need a couple more in the draft. And as I continued to say, I wouldn't mind that tenth pick being a linebacker because that that is a very thin position on this team. And so, Micah Parsons, Micah Parsons is high on your list for the Cowboys at number ten. He would right? be he would be the guy I would take if they came to me and said, well, "Who do you want?" Because that's what I would do. I I had a funny discussion last Friday with the guys on the uh, the Giants uh, Giants dot com, and we were talking about they were doing a mock draft, and when I got to ten. Uh, I had I basically had my choice of the best defensive player. So we went on and on. I even invoked the name of Lawrence Taylor, right? That this Parsons guy could be the next coming of Lawrence Taylor. After Uh-oh. all, he, he's six Uh-oh. he's six Uh-oh. three and a half, two hundred and forty-six pounds and runs a four three nine, right? Come on, Spag. So, Come on, so Spag. anyway, finally John who who's kind of in control of things, he goes, Okay, Mickey. We don't want to know who you want. We want to know what the Cowboys are going to do. <laughs> <laughs> so I gave yes, in. You're out, there a little, you're out there a little too far, Spades. Right. You went out there just a little well, too far. Well, you just watch. This guy is going to be awfully good. But anyway, I ended up taking the cornerback, and uh, so be it. Which cornerback did you take, Mickey? I took Sertan. You took Sertan. All yeah. right. Which is a perfect segue to our yeah. cornerback, Everson Walls, who, has, who says he has completed his homework assignment from last week to look at these cornerbacks. And the, the two specific ones, Patrick Sertan II of Alabama, J.C. Horn of South Carolina. So you ready to give your report, Everson? I am ready, and I am also going to add a little tidbit to it because, you know, the information, the the assignment you gave me just wasn't enough. You know, I'm that guy. I'm the Sean Lee of research. Right. So, you know, I had to do a little bit. I did a little more than you asked me to do. How's about that? How about that? I love it. Love it. Love it. No, but I'm taking a look at these two. I'm taking a look at these two. Only two, really, is who I looked at. Uh, you've got a lot of good good DBs in the draft, but when you look at these two cornerbacks and Patrick Sertan the second and J.C. Horn, who you know they both have the lineage in the NFL. J.C. Horn, his father being the Horn, the, the infamous Horn or famous, who, whatever fan you are, if you're a Saints fan, Joe Horn pulls the cell phone uh, out of the uh, I don't know where the hell he hit the cell phone, but he, he had a cell in the phone pad in the goalpost, yeah, goalpost pad. He, he makes a cell phone call after he scores a touchdown, which was I don't know if you kind of call that cool. I call it kind of idiotic, but you know that's just <laughs> depends on your taste. So when you're talking about these guys, Patrick Sertan to me seems like the obvious pick, and that's simply because he checks all the boxes. He went to Alabama. You're talking about guys going for national championship every year. So you know he's a winner. We've already kind of uh, 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 dipped into the Alabama pool with Trayvon Diggs from, from uh, years, a couple of years ago last year. Uh, we saw how that turned out. We saw the potential that he had as a player, uh, but not much else. I think Patrick Sertan is a little bit more uh, 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 well-rounded. I think he's a little bit more physical. Uh, I think that uh, he's a little bit more aggressive mentally in regards to how he approaches the game. Uh, Bill, uh, I'm sorry, uh, I'm getting my coaches mixed up, but uh, uh, 
the coach for Alabama, I'm, I'm blanking here. Nick Saban. Uh, Nick, Saban. Nick, Saban. Nick Saban. Nick Saban loves him to death because he realizes that he is professional material. I think well, he's around 5'11", 6 feet tall. Uh, I think that's a generous uh, assessment. He's running uh, uh, the slowest I've seen him run is a 4'4", from what's been reported. So, like I said, he checks all the boxes. His physicality, uh, based on his size, is not bad. I wouldn't, I wouldn't give him a Mark Collins from the New York Giants, who was my, college, my uh, Super Bowl teammate. But he is one of those guys that you could say he could come in and make plays right away. Comparing him to J.C. Horn. Now, J.C. Horn, the difference with him is he opted out, right? The year uh, before, his senior year. And uh, now, I he, that he played this year. He played. He played JC this year. I thought, yeah. I, yeah. Both of them this played this year. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought he had opted out. Caleb, Caleb Farley opted out. There you go. Caleb Farley opted out. But the thing that you see about J.C. Horn, uh, he has more of a wide receiver look than even his father has. He's big. Mm. He's strong. Uh, the guy has ability out of this world. As a matter of fact, He's the guy that they put on everyone when he's at South Carolina State. He covered the tight end for Philadelphia. I'm sorry, for uh, uh, Florida. Uh, he Kyle was Pitts. assigned to play against Pitts uh, that entire game. And Kyle Pitts will tell you he was the toughest defensive player that he ever had to go against. That's saying a lot when you're talking about Kyle Pitts being the stud of the draft. And I saw some of those videos. He made things extremely difficult for Kyle Pitts in that game. Kyle Pitts is no small guy. He is a, a true tight end with athleticism. And you're looking at J.C. Horn, who was pitted up against him for most of that ball game. Yes, Kyle Pitts caught some passes on him. But I think J.C. Horn is one of those guys that can be used all around. You know, you're talking about the linebackers with uh, Coramoa. Uh, you're talking about uh, your boy from Penn State. When you start talking about how they check all boxes as well and how diverse they can be, you can put them at any spot on the field. That's the way J.C. Horn is. He's a defensive back that you can play all over the field against tight ends and wide receivers. So to me, uh, that gives him kind of an, I think, uh, a little tick above uh, uh, Patrick Sertan II. And if I was going to pick, Either one of these guys. Whoa, 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 wait, wait. Okay, here it is. You gonna make your pick right now? Okay, you gonna make? We gotta have a build up here, man, because because I'm I'm hearing you ever said, and and at first I I thought, well, he's going Sertan. I mean, he's obvious. I mean, using words like, oh, he's the obvious pick one. And now I'm hearing all this. I'm hearing all this J.C. Horn, and I'm sitting there going, you know what? I think he may be going with J.C. I can't wait to hear who your pick is. All right. So with the 10th pick of the 2021 National Football League draft, Everson Walls of the Dallas Cowboys selects. Drum roll. Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa. I'm sorry. I love these cornerbacks. We have great, we have decent defensive backs already. But you asked me who I was going to pick aside from giving me the homework. I did my homework on the defensive backs. Great kids. But if I'm going to pick 
For number 10, it's going to be that brother, that African. With, that, as, Ron, as Ron Springs used to say, he's going to bring that African suit bone with him when he comes to play. That's the guy that I'm going to pick for my player Woo! if I'm going to pick number 10. I'm sorry. I oh, man, I love it. You guys. I I'm love it. Being, that's it. I'm sorry. Linebacker. Oh. Go with the linebacker. We've got to go with the linebacker. That's my dude. Well, and, that, and the thing about that linebacker, he's not a traditional linebacker, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. So you're catching me here, Bill. That's why, because he is that hybrid to where he can be a strong safety, used a lot like, let's remember, Darren Woodson came out of Arizona as a linebacker. You know, you start looking at guys like, I mean, he, to me, he is Sean Lee without the experience. He is that guy that can shoot the gap. He's that guy that can make a play without an offensive lineman even touching him. Wait. To me, he is that guy. He is Troy Palomalu. He is that guy if you teach him the right way to play. Just hone in on his natural instincts, okay, and make sure that he's able to play ball on a professional level by being a little bit more poised. That's my guy. Okay. I, Everson, let me ask you, because I agree with you. On, uh, here's, the, here's the interesting thing about that, because here it is, we're leading up to this draft, and you got 9,000 mock drafts out there. And it's like in that mock draft community, Owusu Koromoa, well, he's projected in every mock draft. All the so-called experts say, well, he's the 15th best player in the draft or the 20th best player. And so if the Cowboys were to select – Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa with the 10th pick in the draft. You realize how much criticism the Cowboys are going to get? Oh, how can you take him with the 10th pick in the draft? Because there's this school of thought out there in the mock draft community that, oh, he's not a top 10 pick. But I'm telling you, when, when I look at him, and, and, and if I hadn't seen any mock drafts or, or whatever, I would say he's right there in the mix at number 10. I'm with you. I, I, I love everything about you Jeremiah you don't, get the dick, you don't get the Dick Buckus Award by being a bum, okay? <laughs> yeah, you, that's right. You, know, you, just don't, you just don't get that. He's, he's ACC Player of the Year. And, you know, you're talking about being there with Clemson and those guys. I mean, I'm sorry. You, this guy also checks all the boxes. I, the, and the only reason I didn't pick Parsons, I think Parsons would be gone. I really do. Mm. Because Parsons, to me, is the more, more of the, uh, the uh, perfect uh, uh, stereotype of linebacker. A, a, a linebacker. He is Dick Buckus as a linebacker. But we need someone that can do more than just play linebacker. We need somebody that can possibly blow up plays uh, uh, in the backfield, which I'm sure Parsons can do as well. But we also need guys that can be back in coverage making plays in the secondary. He still has a lot of work to do in that regard. He only got one career interception. But when you look at the, the force fumbles, you look at the fact that he's always around the ball. He's looking forward to making plays. He's not sitting back waiting to make a play. And that was our problem last year, and that's why I think that he needs to be our guy. And you know what well, that, that you know what that is... pick kind of leads into if we listen closely to what Steven had to say, what Jerry had to say about the draft on how the number 10 pick is a sweet spot and you kind of listen if the phone is ringing because if they indeed find a a deal to drop back a couple picks or two then 
one of those two corners is going to be there. One of those two linebackers that Everson just talked yeah. about is going to be there. It's just not enough room, Spaz. And it's you not could, enough room with the quarterbacks, too. Exactly. Yeah. And, 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 and to pick up something for your trouble. And as I keep saying, if somebody wants that 10th pick for a quarterback, then they're going to pay the price for a quarterback. They're not just saying, well, this pick week. is worth this or this pick's worth that. They're giving me, we're switching spots in the first round. They're giving me a second or third this year and next year's first. Because if you look at what the teams that traded up into the top ten to get a quarterback, they, they were giving up first-round picks next year, too. So to me, that tenth pick yep. is worth a lot. And Stephen talked about how important having picks are and that allow you to move around in the draft. So if, if, if they feel like you do about the cor- the, both corners, both linebackers, and let's not uh, forget about uh, the uh, cornerback from um, uh, Newsom. The quarter, uh, I was trying to remember where he was. Uh, Greg Newsom from Northwestern. 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 Yeah, he kind of fits into that cornerback if indeed you do need a cornerback. So uh, they did not shy away from the fact that trading up was probably out of the question, but trading back might be a possibility. Hmm. Well, and uh, it kind of takes you back uh, uh, the Cowboys had two first-round draft picks in 2005, took to Marcus Ware and Marcus Spears. How did they get those two draft picks? They traded the year before. They had the 22nd pick in the first round. They traded out. Buffalo traded up and gave them a number one pick the, the following year. And Buffalo took a quarterback, J.P. Losman, that year. It was who they took in uh, 2004. They gave him a second. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, who? And so now, now you see how this – see, that's the thing on these quarterbacks at the top of the draft. I mean, supposedly five quarterbacks are going in the top eight picks or whatever it might be, you know. Well, all right, we'll see what happens, what San Francisco decides at number three, whether it's Mac Jones or Trey Lance or Justin Fields, and then we'll see. But if one of those guys is still available when the Cowboys are on the clock at number 10, the Cowboys are in a great position right there uh, with, with the way it should play out, you would think. Um, so, so, Everson – Let's say if it came down to picking between Sertan or Horn, who would your pick be? J.C. Horn. I'm with you. J.C. Horn. I'm with you. He's just, when I saw him going against Pitts, that really uh, uh, solidified things for me. Because Sertan is is a guy, you know, he's like like me, just a cornerback, basically, uh, as far as I see him. Especially uh, his size. Uh, To me, J.C. Horn just... He is a he's he's a physical player. When you're going up against Pitts, and that's what what uh, swung it for me. When I saw him going up against Pitts, and Pitts admitting, and he wasn't just trying to be a nice guy or whatever, and, and you know maybe they're friendly or whatever off the off the field. No, he talked about J.C. Horn in, in as far as uh, being one of the toughest players that he's ever gone against, and that's a defensive back we're talking about. I thought Pitts yeah, was and, uncoverable. And what, what happened? <laughs> yeah. well, that, that ain't what Pitt said. Pitts. I don't know if Pitt said that or not. If I, if I read one more thing about this guy, it's like he's going to be the last tight end, you know, like the last picture show. This is going to be the last tight end ever. 
You know, uh, you know the way I look at it on Sertan and Horn, I really, really like Sertan, mm-hmm. but I love J.C. Horn. I mean, and and what sold it on me for me because I I I don't know football like Everson knows football as far as especially playing cornerback and you know and and all. What sold it for me on on J.C. Horn is just hearing his interviews and seeing videos of him interacting with his teammates and uh, things like that. He's got a, a he's got like a Michael Irvin type um, personality that is it's a contagious personality. He has he has an Everson Walls confidence about him, uh, and he, he's outgoing. I, I can see him and and take nothing away from Sertan, but he's more of a quiet guy. And 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 again, I really like Sertan, and he's probably he's the more polished player right now. I think you mentioned Everson that Horn looks like a receiver. Well, he's got obviously he's the son of a Pro Bowl receiver, uh, and he played receiver. Uh, he was later to the party as far as uh, learning how to play cornerback. He, yeah. So I think he's yeah. got some upside there as well. But I, I can just see he can be a guy who can who uh, can impact the locker room and the culture of the team in a greater way. Uh, just be, through his personality, and he's he's got a dogged determination about him that I, I really I, I, think. I, I tell you, I tell you what, Bill, uh, and that's one thing. You know, as I became uh, a veteran, there were certain things I was asked to do that I had never been called on to do, and one of them was trying to check some tight ends. And you mm-hmm. know, it's a different story when you're trying to cover some tight ends on third down. They got me covering uh, Big Big Jackson from Philadelphia. Keith Jackson. Uh, Keith. Keith Jackson. Yeah, I had a great game against him, but that was a – I had to, you know, adjust my mindset to trying to cover not just a tight end. I mean, this was one of the best tight ends in the game at that time. And so when you're talking about the ability to do something like that, every cornerback can't do that. And when I saw J.C. doing that, it really brought back some memories as to how important it is for you to be as diverse as you can. I coach uh, some DBs every once in a while at a few camps over the summer. And my, my one, number one thing I tell them is, you know, when somebody calls on you to say, hey, uh, I need a, a safety out here, but you're a cornerback, you don't say, oh, I'm not a safety. You say, I'm, I'm a safety, even though you are a cornerback. Because the more you can do, the more you can do, not just for yourself, but for your teammates. And so I, when I saw him with uh, Pitts, I thought that it reminded me a lot of what guys like myself had to do and some of the uh, bigger cornerbacks have always had to do. We have to compromise for our team. And I think J.C. Horn is prepared to do that. You know, and I think Mike and McCarthy way, might he- agree with you because he had a quote saying, Finding the guy that go gets the ball is a premium. We want to be more aggressive, play more man than zone. So uh, it, it, I bet it's an interesting discussion upstairs between the two guys. You probably would be okay with either one of them, but uh, yes, you will. There, they'll, yes, you there will. will be a segment arguing for certain and there'll be a segment arguing for jc horn i bet it's a great discussion if we can listen in on it i bet it is <laughs> and i would i would love to hear mike mccarthy uh and what he has to say about jc horn considering his relationship 
with his uh, his dad, Joe Horn. And for those who aren't familiar, of course, uh, Mike McCarthy was the offensive coordinator for the New Orleans Saints. In fact, he got that job. See, Joe Horn was a fifth-round draft pick at Kansas City, and McCarthy was a quarterback's coach in Kansas City. That was in 96. And then Horn went to New Orleans, and Horn didn't play much at Kansas City. He was more of a special teams guy. He really got his opportunity in New Orleans, and it was in 2000, two months after J.C. Horn was born, Mike McCarthy became the offensive coordinator of the Saints. And over his five years as a play caller with the Saints, Joe Horn went to the Pro Bowl four times. He had his best five years in the league with Mike McCarthy as his play caller. And um, so I would think it, I think it's very interesting uh, to uh, to know where uh, to find out where uh, Mike McCarthy stands on these two quarterbacks. You know, another interesting part of that with Sertan, you know, I, I looked up Dan Quinn because you know Sertan, his dad was with the Dolphins, and I was one I couldn't remember if Sertan was with the Dolphins when Dan Quinn was Nick Saban's defensive line coach with the Dolphins. Well, that was in 05. Well, here's what. Everson, this is here's what Nick Saban did. He takes over as uh, the head coach of the Miami Dolphins, and on draft day in 2005, the best player on his defense was probably Patrick Sertan. He was a three-time <laughs> Pro Bowler, and he traded him away to the Kansas City Chiefs. What makes that interesting <laughs> is then you fast forward a dozen years. And Patrick Sertan II is the top cornerback recruit in the country, and Nick Saban's recruiting him. And his so Patrick Sertan's son decides to sign with Alabama, uh, and of course I Nick Saban what Dan had to say about that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so. just to, and right. just to, need, before gotta, you go before you go on break, just to throw a little breaks on all this dad talk. Just remember. Some Cowboys head coach fell in love with the dad of Bobby Carpenter, okay? That's, I'll just stop right there. <laughs> that, that's exactly right. Oh, and, and while we're on the subject of dads, the, another uh, DB that I really love in this draft is Elijah Molden from Washington. And his dad, Alex Molden, was a first-round draft pick in the NFL as well. And he played for the New Orleans Saints in 2000 when Mike McCarthy was the offensive coordinator, too. So Start, starting keep to feel, that in mind. Starting to feel old, huh? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right, we continue with more mix shots in just a moment. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. Grab some OtterBox gear and get ready for hanging with the boys. From rugged venture coolers to tough as nails elevation tumblers, we've got what you need to keep your game day drinks frosty and your football feast ice cold. And with cases, screen protectors, and power accessories, you can defend your phone and stay connected to every play. Gear up at OtterBox.com and amp up the fun of every Cowboys game. That's OtterBox.com. 
Hi, I'm Clint Tillerson with United Ag and Turf. When there's work to be done, a real workhorse can make all the difference. Like the Range Boss Package. Our 5075E John Deere 75 horsepower tractor features a bell spear and loader and starts at $369 per month. And the price you see is the price you'll pay. No surprises. It works like a horse, so you don't have to. Visit unitedagandturf.com. Offer ends February 1st, 2021. Restrictions apply. See dealer for details. Now, let's get to work. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com slash cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com slash cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. Back, back, back. To Mick Shots. Join us at the official 2021 Dallas Cowboys Draft Day, presented by Miller Lite on Thursday, April 29th, outside on Tostitos Championship Plaza at the Star in Frisco. Enjoy live NFL draft coverage, performances by the Dallas Cowboys cheerleaders, live music, a cornhole tournament, and so much more. Admission and parking are free. For details, visit DallasCowboys.com slash draft day. All right. That's outdoors at Tostitos Championship Plaza. Starts at 6 o'clock. Is that what you said, Mickey? I I didn't say it, but I believe that's when it does start. I think I saw something (laughs) out there that the party starts at 6 o'clock and the draft begins at 7, probably by 710, 7.15. We're getting our first. You're going to go win the cornhole contest? (laughs) I'm good at that, dude. I am very good at that, bro. I can't shoot free throws for some reason, but I can do the cornhole thing, man. I'm pretty good. Oh wow! Okay. Oh, you Great. could be you could be an NBA uh, so player. Get Everson out there. <laughs> <laughs> no, ESPN doesn't show highlights of free throws. You know, no one worries about free throws. Uh, boy, do that's I the s- only thing I can do. do. I saw like my dad. I now. can't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, what do you mean now? Yeah, yeah now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we got ten minutes left in the show. We've already established that if uh, if Micah Parsons were off the board, Everson Walls would select Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa as at, of Notre Dame with the Cowboys pick at number ten. Mickey, who do you have as your as your favorite for the Cowboys? If if they came away with this player at number ten, who would you be most happy with? Oh, I I'm sticking with Parsons, and I, I, and I think there's a chance that he That's would be there. Uh, I and I all I do is go back to what I said last week. This team gave up 158.8 yards rushing a game. <laughs> the cornerback's not going to help me. I'm sorry. Now maybe the nope, scheme will. <laughs> maybe the scheme will. Maybe the often new defensive coordinator will. But I need somebody that's okay. going to help me stop the run. Okay. Well, let me ask you this then, Mickey. If we're talking about this year's team, and we have Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch as your primary linebackers, where is this linebacker? Let's say Micah Parsons. How is he going to be utilized? Either. On a, 
Three e down bases. Either There's Parsons. Three down back. A linebacker. E okay. Either Parsons or Owusu Koromoa are my, my weak side linebacker. Van Der Esch is in the middle. And if I'm playing a strong side linebacker, then Jalen Smith's on the strong side. And I got to keep him out of coverage. And I can use him, maybe move him around as a specialty pass rusher uh, to get something out of him. But they need more production off that weak side linebacker. And I know Jalen Smith led the team in tackles. I get it. But they need somebody more versatile over there that can run with players when he's got to be in coverage. That's why we were talking about Lockhart, right? That sounds the same. Yes, he made a bunch of tackles, but, you know, you, you just needed something more. And that's the okay. same way it is with Jalen. You can talk about all the tackles he made all you want. Where were those tackles made? You know what I mean? Some of it is just a matter of being uh, dogged and determined not to let your mistake, you know, be the end of that play. So you'll chase a guy down or whatever. But there's a difference between making a play within the five yards of the line of scrimmage and making a play 15 yards down the field that you should have made five yards, you know, within that five-yard box. Or having so to, to me – uh, heaven forbid if you make ahead, it at the line. I was going to say, and heaven forbid if you make it at the line of scrimmage. And see, that's what we think that Parsons and and uh, JOK, as they call him, his friends call him JOK. So that's what I'm going to call him. Oh, okay. So JOK, he would be that guy that could make that play. Now, let's think about this also. He can still play pass well. He doesn't get interceptions, but he still plays well in space down the field. And that's yes, something does. that can make our zone more active. We just need activity that's, back that's there right. in and, our zone passing. And you know defense. the other thing on him, he, he, even though I think he, he played at 220, if you look at his body type, once he gets here, if, if they want to play him as a true linebacker, he'll play at 230 very easily, no problem whatsoever. So, yeah. So Bill, but he's like he's like Sean Lee because yes. he anticipates plays. Yes, and he goes through unblocked. Now, if they catch up with him, just like Sean Lee, you got problems as far as a big old tackle coming at you. But they are uh, uh, keen enough to read the play and anticipate it and make plays in the backfield. I think he had like in his career he had like twenty six or twenty seven uh, plays behind the, the line of scrimmage. That's from starting just for two years. So, no, plays for losses, he's good at that. That's what you need. So, That's right. He had 24 and a half tackles for loss. So, Bill, who do you have at number 10 if you had your druthers? I've got – I'm going uh, I'm going J.C. Horn. I like uh, J.C. Horn I'd be very happy with. And if not J.C. Horn, then uh, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa is my guy. Um, and I would take – and I like Everson, I don't care what the, the mock drafters say, I would take him at number 10 as long as – my defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn, uh, is committed to having a plan him because you have to be more creative in, in getting him on the field than a traditional linebacker. And I'm confident that if they made that pick, that, that, would be, uh, that Quinn would be sold on him too, obviously. Uh, but I want to know, Mickey, are, are you the one that's going to go tell Jalen that he's not going to be on the field as much? You know, I think I could have done it today because I think I passed him in the parking lot. <laughs> Maybe that's why he didn't smile at me. Maybe he's been listening to mixed shots. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, he's certainly not smiling at you now. Yeah. Uh, I... 
You've got, Mickey, do you have a clear eye view on what you want to do if a linebacker is not taken in the first round, maybe in the second or third round, is there a linebacker that you like? I don't know if there's one I like, but I, I, there's one I, I guess I need, right? They need to address the linebacker position. They need to address the back was... offensive tackle position. And if you have a guy in either of those on the second day, uh, I'd have my hand up in the air for him. Well, and there, I was trying to set you up. I was throwing you a softball to talk about your <laughs> Missouri linebacker, Nick Bolton, out of Lone Star High School in Frisco, who I really like, and he's projected to be a second-round uh, guy. I, 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 w- I would not at all be opposed to the Cowboys taking Bolton. Uh, he's more of the traditional linebacker type. Yeah, and he, and he may and let's, be a let's guy, be real, guy sneak into the first round. You you you. you you don't have you don't have to have a top-notch linebacker to be chosen in the first round. Uh, the the Colts uh, linebacker uh, came Darius from HBCU. Leonard. Darius Leonard was he first-round draft pick? Set, no, second. Second. Rounder. Second rounder. Yep. I'm surprised right. they picked him that high. Coming from an HBCU, you know, my love for HBCUs is, is evident. But the NFL doesn't show him much love, and for them to pick him that high, that's that's good stuff. But it comes in the second round. Well, rookie of the year, defensive player of the year. I mean, and, and is is a leader of a very underrated and dangerous coach team. Mm-hmm. So, and Bill, who's their you, defensive coordinator, Mickey, in Indianapolis. Uh, <laughs> who's the yeah, some guy, some guy that was coaching <laughs> linebackers here. He I think. Here. Yeah, Matt Eberflus. Matt Eberflus. He's the one. <laughs> That's right. I That's never would have guessed that name. For, I never for, said former that Missouri name. defensive coordinator, by the way. Uh-oh. Oh, right. Okay. That's, that's okay. Right. How about okay. that? Go ahead. All right, Mickey, you had a question? <laughs> um, I was going to – what was I going to – oh, um, so <laughs> they, made are, it, they made it sound – You become your granddad now. Yeah, right. They, they made it sound <laughs> like, uh, you know, selecting an offensive lineman was uh, g- going to be, at some point in this draft, a priority. Uh, I like the fact that – uh, they did point out that if there was a first team, second team right right now, that Biotish is working with the first teams. Somebody asked about re-signing Joe Looney, uh, and they kind of skirted that and talked about Biotish uh, kind of being their center if they had to play. Uh, but I still have no problem, and I think they need to do it. Third round, offensive tackle, uh, somebody that could maybe potentially uh, – compete for the backup swing tackle spot as a rookie, uh, I think they need uh, to go there. You know, the other thing that uh, I I didn't think of, and I did it off the top of my head, but Mike McCarthy was talking about how you got to replenish your team through the draft, and he said, we lost 55 years of experience. And I was trying to add it up, but if you add up Tyrone Crawford, uh, Sean Lee, L.P. Latticeur, Chris Jones, and I forgot if there was. Whoa, 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 whoa! If we're gonna, if we're gonna add, if we're gonna add L.P. to it, uh, let, let's take L.P. out of the equation. Well, it's 16 no, no, no. years. Let's leave L.P. in. It's 16 let's years. Leave LP in. I couldn't figure out how I was, how I was gonna get the 55 years, right? 
<laughs> no, well, you, Andy Dalton. And Dalton, Andy was, Dalton's Dalton was my fifth guy. Yeah, Dalton was the fifth guy. Blake, Blake but Dalton Bell. gave you one. He only gave you one year of experience, though. I'm sorry. No, but he had no, in yeah, the league. He, he, he was talking about NF. I understand that, league. but he only gave you yeah. one year, though. I'm sorry. That's but right. they don't have Blake that Bell's experience at backup quarterback. <laughs> Add up the experience so at backup all the, all quarterback all right now. What about what about all the practice players that we and then cut? Come on, Spags, be be be, be right. honest now. We got a lot more. Yeah, that. that's like that's like sixty-seven years when you add all those guys up. Well, right, especially with, if you add Garrett Gilbert into that mix, right. he's a practice squad guy, and he's your backup right now. Well, he's only got three years of NFL experience. <laughs> Put him in there. Throw him in there. Damn it. <laughs> okay, here's another thing. Uh, as far as quarterbacks in this draft, I had Babe Laufenberg on my show on CBS 11 on Sunday night, and I tweeted it, that interview out. You can check it out. But Babe, Babe asked him, okay, give me a quarterback for the Cowboys to draft in the late round, sixth or seventh round, and he is big on Shane Bouchelle of SMU, uh, not so big on Kellen Mond of A&M or Sam Ellinger from Texas. He, he thinks that Shane Bouchelle of SMU is going to be a backup quarterback in this league for eight to ten years, uh, like Colt McCoy or Chase Daniel. So, or, for, or for Babe Laufenberg. I'll throw... Oh, no, 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 <laughs> no not Babe. <laughs> I, I wasn't here, but I remember Babe. I wasn't here, but I've heard about what Babe did, and no, we cannot put Babe in it. Sorry, guys. Yeah, I'd, I'd, rather go with, I'd rather go with Mond from A&M. To, and we're talking about just being a backup for years? A backup for years. Uh, who, you know, I mean, come on. Yeah. What's the difference? He's only going to be a backup. I can hold a clipboard as long as I don't have to <laughs> right, the exactly. The key to exactly. Being, the key to being a successful backup quarterback is never having to play. Thank you. I almost finished this sentence for you. That's what that's what Babe messed up. He actually played. That was the problem. That's right. Right. And he didn't have Alvin Harper to throw a, a fade to a couple nope. of times on Thanksgiving nope. Day. He sure needed yeah. it. Uh, all right. And, and before we go, I got one quarterback to throw at you as a late-round guy. Felipe Franks from Arkansas. He started his career at Florida. And Doug Nussmeyer, the Cowboys quarterbacks coach, was his, he recruited him to Florida and was his offensive coordinator at Florida the first two years. And in fact, Franks started ahead of Kyle Trask. Kyle Trask, was, who is a Heisman finalist this year, he was also in that recruiting class. And Nussmeyer thought more highly of Franks back then that he not only started then, but then when Dan Mullen came in, he also started him over Kyle Trask, who is projected as a third or fourth round pick. And then uh, on his own, Franks decided to transfer to Arkansas, and he finished up his career at Arkansas. 6'6", 235 pounds, that's prototype size, and he ran a 4.59. Yeah, so, and he's got, so he's, he was a highly recruited guy out of high school. He's got a big arm. And, the, so, and the, he's my guy in the late rounds. The big green notebook. Keeps on giving. That's exactly right. I got a whole bunch more in there, too. I wish we had more time, but we've run out of time. All right. Well, next Tuesday, we'll be back to wrap it all up. There's going to, you know, Mickey, there's going to be a whole lot that transpires between now and the time we get back together for how many How many draft choices do you think the Cowboys will actually use? Of the 10. I think that. Oh, probably eight. 
I think probably eight. I think what they'll do, I think I wouldn't be at all surprised in the second round they pull a Demarcus Lawrence and take that second round pick, package it with a third, and move up either to the late first or early second to take a guy that they target that wouldn't otherwise make it to 44. And then they'll figure out a way to get back up into the late third or early fourth uh, taking one of their extra picks to move up there to make up the difference there. But I, and, I, and I would be in favor of that. I think you got to target the guys that you want and go get them. And that's what they did with Sean Lee. I mean, Sean Lee, they moved up four or five spots in 2010 because they, they wanted to make sure they got him. Because they had him ranked in the top 15 in, on their board. That's right. That's right. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna throw okay. out they're gonna they're gonna have seven draft choices come out of this draft. You got seven. Yeah. Okay. All right. And do they trade up or trade down or stay stay where they are? Oh, they're gonna stay where in they the are or down in the first, and then in the in those other rounds, like you just said, they'll use some of that draft capital to move up if they see somebody they absolutely just want to have in like the second, third, or fourth round to make sure they get them. And that's why they ten mm-hmm. guys. You draft ten guys. Ten guys ain't gonna make this team, right? So right. you might as well use that those picks to, to move up, move around, and get exactly who you want. The same thing they did last year, and they got their starting center this year, Tyler Biotish, Right, they did that exactly. last year, too. So. Okay, that does it for Mick Shots. For Everson and Mickey, I'm Bill, and we will see you again next week, and have a great draft weekend, everybody. This has been a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about this, Cowboys? Yeah!